Welcome back to Week 10's podcast of Throw the Flag, Coach! That was quite the uh, slate of games and outcomes. You got to love the NFL. You can't predict what's going on. It, uh, it keeps changing week to week, and then you think you got a handle on it, and then they flip it upside down again. The NFL knows what it's doing, though. They're getting the ratings. You can't tell what's going on. You got to watch because uh, nothing's guaranteed. We're halfway through the season and looking forward to recapping week 10 with you. So let's go. Well, we got to start with that Monday nighter, Broncos versus the Bills. It had some interesting moments. Not the best of football at times, but incredibly competitive. Uh, Amazing. Almost like a car crash. You can't take your eyes off it. There were some amazing plays. (laughs) Just some things just hard to believe. But look at my Broncos, baby. They're back in the hunt. I mean, they're at the edge. But when you consider they gave up 70 points a few weeks ago, who would have thought they would have actually been in the playoff hunt in the AFC? And now they've won three in a row. And if they win this next game against the Vikings, look out, baby. Those guys in the Mahai City are going to make some noise, and they're going to they're going to be a thorn on the side of a bunch of teams trying to make the playoffs towards the end of the year. Uh, my, I'm throwing my first flag of the week at the special teams coach of Buffalo. What were you thinking? 22-21, 1 minute 55 seconds left. The Broncos get the ball and they're starting a drive. Here's a thought. Maybe, just maybe, you pull your guys together and say, you know, in the next couple of minutes, Denver might have a shot at a last-second field goal. We might want to plan for that and see if we can, like, be ready to stop it. I don't know. Just a thought. And then in 20 minutes of, like, actual time, they could have gotten their guys together and said, hey, guys, look, so like in all the other games, like, since the history of man, in American football, you're only allowed 11 players on the field. And they could have, like, you know, picked the guys and said, hey, if we get into the situation, these are who the 11 are. And just even make it a little easier. Seven, eight, or nine of them will already be on the field for defense. So we only got to put in, like, two or three, you know. But no. Instead, the Broncos drive down the field. And with four seconds left, they're running onto the field to get ready to kick a field goal. And they kick it. And wide right. One of the rare times Buffalo would actually enjoy wide right. Oh, but wait, there's a flag. On the defense for too many men on the field. What are you doing? Twelve guys? A dozen is great for donuts. A dozen is great for bagels. A dozen is fantastic if you're playing in the Canadian Football League where it's 12 on 12. What are you doing? I mean, I loved it. So they gave the Broncos another chance, kicked it again in an untimed down. Denver wins it. Not even on the final play, on the final, final play because of the defensive penalty. So I'm throwing a flag on the special teams coach. You're a moron. you got to be prepared for that. There's no reason there's 12 guys. And, hey, by the way, Coach uh, Sean there, uh, what are you wasting your timeouts for at the end? What was the purpose of that? Did you think you were putting pressure on the Broncos? You were trying to save time for yourself? You idiot. If you had a timeout remaining, you could have stopped it if somebody had noticed that, uh uh-oh, 
we might have one too many guys on the field. You could have called one of those timeouts, and you could have fixed it. So, Sean McDermott, that's on you as well for burning the timeouts for no apparent reason. I don't know what you were doing, burning those timeouts with 20 seconds left. That was stupid, and it cost you in the end. So, love it for the Broncos. Can't believe they got the win. Also, just a little tip for those out there. You know when you were a kid? And, you know, you heard the story about, I think I can, I think I can. And, you know, if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. Well, you just saw it in living color. Will Lutz missed the extra point in the first half. Doink off the left upright. So they lost the point there. Then later on, he misses another one. Bad snap. So there goes the other extra point. And then now he has a chance to redeem himself to kick the winning field goal. And what does he do? Whoop! Wide right. Game's over. Oh, wait. Buffalo gave him another chance. So if you miss one, you try again. And then you miss one, and you try again. And then you miss the last one. Well, try again. And sure enough, Will Lutz hits the field goal to win the game for the Broncos. So don't quit out there. If at first or second or third, you don't succeed, try, try again. So thank you, Will Lutz, for that lesson for all our folks out there. So that was quite the game. I was pretty uh, into it and pretty tired and incredibly happy to see my Broncos win that sloppy game. And Buffalo, um, you guys are in trouble. And now firing the offensive coordinator, bad news. So let's see how it goes now. But um, I have no sympathy for what's going on in Buffalo. And I'm so happy for my Denver Broncos. So let's look at some of the other games. Texans versus the Bengals. Who saw that coming? This rookie C.J. Stroud looks unbelievable D'Amico Ryans what he has done with that defense and with that team is amazing they were the second worst team in the NFL last year and now if the playoffs were to start this week they would be in the playoffs fantastic fantastic what they're doing down in Houston huge upset Bengals were the hottest team they were they were steamrolling teams and the Texans you know matched up and got that winning field goal at the end of the game well done to the Houston Texans now we go to Baltimore. You know, Baltimore, where some people are talking about, wow, this team's separating themselves. They're crushing good teams. Who's going to stop them? And it's like, you know, the Ravens, they find a way to screw things up. And sure enough, true to form, they go up against the Cleveland Browns, you know, the sexual predator, the, you know, the physical assault guy who's trying to be defensive player of the year, you know, the team that's incredibly hard to cheer for. Well, the Brownies actually came back and beat the Baltimore Ravens again on a last-second field goal. And so here you go. Ravens should be better, should easily be able to beat Cleveland, and they lose at home to the Brownies. And I'm throwing another flag because you know what's awesome. Deshaun Watson, the sexual predator that they never should have signed, gave him $230 million guaranteed, is now done for the year. Shoulder surgery. This guy has barely been an average quarterback since you signed them, and now he's done for the year. And Cleveland is done. They're not making the playoffs. Even though they're 6-3 and three and they have a great defense, they're done. I'm telling you right now, they are done. They are not making the The Broncos have a better chance to, play, to get into playoffs than the Cleveland Browns, and they have a quarterback that you can actually cheer for compared to this idiot. Hey, this guy is getting soldier, shoulder surgery right away. I hope for his sake he gets use of his shoulder again. And he can do the things that he needs to do away from the football field. Uh, I don't I don't hate them as guy as a man. I think he can maybe turn his life around. But as a football player, I don't want to ever see him on the football field again. It's a privilege to play 
professional sports and to play for this kind of money, this kind of profile, to play a game that you love. And he he flushed it down the toilet. 26 lawsuits. I don't even know if all of them have been settled yet. But, hey, massage therapists out there, he's going to be doing a bunch of rehab. I strongly suggest you women out there get away from this guy because he's been deemed a predator. There's lines of people who have who have identified his, his sexual misconducts. And um, be careful because now he's rehabbing. So who knows what that's going to mean. We'll just leave it there. I'm throwing a bunch of flags at the Cleveland ownership because you guys are a bunch of idiots. You spent so much money on this guy, and this guy you can't cheer for. He's been useless. Look at the guys that you promote. You guys are awful continuing to be the mistake on the lake. Well, well done. Now we're going to move to Dallas. The Giants pretended to go to Dallas and play a game. At least guys in their uniform showed up. Um, I don't know where they got these players from, but I guess they're the actual players because uh, they gave the Cowboys a nice opportunity to pad their stats. It's pretty funny to hear about people going crazy about Dak Prescott and how amazing he was and all these different stats. People, calm down. This was the New York Giants. Dallas gets the benefit of playing these guys twice a year, plus they got the Jets. Half their stats have been built on these useless teams. So pump the brakes. When they play some real teams again in the coming weeks, we'll see how good Dallas is. So relax. New England at Indy. Well, it was in Germany. It was in Frankfurt. And wow. I think anybody who's objective and recognizes football for the years and they've actually followed the game uh, for any length of time knows. The hoodie is is the GOAT. He's the greatest coach ever. But you're starting to see a guy completely losing his marbles because of the pressure, because of whatever legacy he's trying to. He's just completely lost control, and he's lost his mind. Why on earth would you pull your starting quarterback thinking that you got some great formula that the backup is going to come in for a game-winning drive to win? Are you stupid? If he was any better, then why wouldn't you put him in earlier in the game? Are you kidding me? If this guy stunk all through the week during practice, and if this guy has stunk for half the season that you made him a backup, why on earth is he now going to become the all-star, the hero, to come in and drive them down for the winning drive? You look like an idiot, Belichick, even when you tried to explain it. You screwed this up. Your head is so far in the clouds. You have no idea what you're doing. And usually your ability to stay disciplined and stay focused was one of your greatest attributes as a coach. And you have demonstrated over the last few weeks and really most of this season that you've lost it. You probably need a year or two of a break, regroup, get your head together, and then coach another team so you can take on the, the record for most wins. But, but you've clearly demonstrated that you're not capable of coaching in the NFL right now. I think you're tired. You miss Brady. I don't know what else is going on in your life, but that was awful. And that was rookie Bush League head coaching. And uh, you're supposed to be way, way above that. So I'm throwing a huge flag at you because, yes, you're the GOAT. But, boy, the way you're coaching right now, I think college coaches could be coaching better than what you're doing right now in New England. So huge flag on you. You lose to the Colts 10-6. to What a joke. Anyway, you should leave half your team in Germany because you'd be better off. Moving to Vegas, the Jets and the Vegas Raiders. The Sunday Nighter, I love the fact that they paid homage to the Heidi game. We'll come back to that later. Um, we'll pump the brakes, people. Yes, Antonio Pierce took over for the Raiders because Josh McDaniels was a moron. He got fired as he should have been. 
GM got fired as he should have been, and they bring in Antonio Pierce. Kudos. He obviously has the respect of the players, and you know they're about being aggressive and about being sound and, and playing fundamental football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know what? You know who the two teams they played? They played the Giants and they played the Jets. So pump the brakes. 2-0 against the New York teams, big whoop. College came college team could have done that. So calm down. Obviously, he's a better coach than Josh McDaniels, but wait till they play some real competition and then we'll see if the coaching has really progressed. But until then, nice 2-0 start Antonio, but calm down, get ready for the real teams that are coming up. And then the last game I wanted to hit on from week 10, the San Francisco 49ers. They were on a three-game skid. These guys were considered the best. They were so far out in front. They lost three games in a row. They've lost key players to injury. But they came off a bye. They got some guys back. They went to Jacksonville, and they punished them. And I think they just clearly showed that they, they got the experience, and they're a legitimate contender for the Super Bowl. Jacksonville's an up-and-comer. They're a young team. They have a lot to learn. And that was a painful lesson. And hopefully it's just going to be one of those steps as Jacksonville continues to learn how to become a contender. So that was embarrassing for Jacksonville. That was impressive for the 49ers. Now let's just see if they can stay healthy for the rest of the year. Uh, but that's that's my take on Week 10. I hope you enjoyed the games. And we'll be back. So as we always do, we take a look back after the previous week and we identify the top five teams in the NFL. According to me, so they're actually, these are the legit, you know, the full authority. These are the top five teams in the NFL. So starting at number five, everybody was going on and on about the Baltimore Ravens. And what did I tell you last week? They find a way to screw things up. On paper, they should be a lot better. Now, it's one game. They lost to Cleveland, division game. They're still seven and three. But this is how they operate. They should be a lot better. They have a number one defense. They should never be giving up double-digit leads late in the game like that. So they're number five. They're still a good team, but that was a big loss. Number four, the Philadelphia Eagles. You know, this is the first time in many weeks that they actually didn't look that bad. Oh, did I happen to mention that they were on a bye? That's why they didn't look that bad. So they're still there at 8-1. and one. They're on a bye. Next week is really going to show us, okay, are the Eagles for real or not? But they're at number four, even though they have the best record technically in the NFL. Number three is the San Francisco 49ers. you got to give them credit. They came back. They roared back. They look like that. Very few teams can beat them. Uh, and they little they left a whooping on Jacksonville. And so they're number three. Clearly, they're back in the list. Number two, the Detroit Lions. Now, they gave up a ton of points to the Los Angeles Chargers. But the fact is, they went cross-country. They took on a team that's got a hot offense, and they played them right down to the end, made big plays, fourth down plays, key plays in the game against a high-flying offense, and they came out with the big win, 41-38. This is still a team that's learning how to win, and they've only lost a couple of games this year. They still look strong, and just wait till you start to see them beat up on their division because they're getting some weak opponents in the coming weeks. Uh, so I got Detroit at number two. I think they're legitimately number two. And then number one, it's the defending champs, the Kansas City Chiefs. They were on a bye, so they didn't screw up either. They're getting healthy, 
and pretty excited to see what their next game looks like. So our top five teams after week 10, we got the defending champs, the Kansas City Chiefs, the Detroit Lions in Motown, Northern California's 49ers are number three, the Philadelphia Eagles who finally played a clean game because they didn't play, and then the last team on our top five list is the Baltimore Ravens. So on these weekly podcasts, we usually like to take a few minutes to talk about a particular topic. And for this week, I have picked the city of New York. Now, for some of you who might be a little younger, you you may not have remembered, but in the late 70s, early 80s, the key tourist campaign that they ran for New York State was I Love New York. And they had a song with it, and they had commercials, and it was the I Heart New York. And, you know, it was about getting people to New York State all the way through, including New York City. And so for me, I'm more tailoring my focus to the city of New York, but I love New York. There's so many things to love about New York. Now, I grew up an Islander fan, four-time cup-winning champs. I love the New York Islanders, and so they're a part of New York, and so they're a big part of what I love in New York. The Brontosaurus Rib got a chance to go to a legit barbecue joint in New York City and had a big old beef side rib the thing was massive you hold it like it was the size of my head it was huge it was tasty it was wonderful it was so well cooked loved that about new york city times square love times square it's iconic you see the ball drop every year it's a great place to be if you really like people watching that's a great place to people watch because you got people from all over the world that are traipsing through that square and it's just all lit up no matter day or night stuff's going on love times square now, a couple other things that, you know, I kind of love in New York. They apparently have a couple of NFL teams. You know, you got the New York Giants, you know, where they pay $40 million to the paper quarterback who's terrible, has injured, and done for the year. And they pay nothing to their all-star running back who basically saved their season and actually gave them any kind of hope. And they didn't pay him properly. And then, you know, Saquon Barkley, I'm throwing a flag at you. Because you complain about the fact that running backs don't get paid properly and then you have no backbone, no spine to actually stand up to the Giants and actually fight for what you thought you deserved. You saw what Jonathan Taylor did in Indianapolis. You could have stood in there and you could have fought for it and you chose not to. So I, I have I'm, my sympathy for you is growing less and less because you allowed them to pay you less and to pay you under market. So the Giants, I can't stand you. You guys are awful. You're going to be one of the five worst teams in the NFL. Uh, so I quote unquote, love you, New York giants for making my Broncos look amazing. So thank you for that. Heading over to the AFC, the New York jets. You want to talk about offensive dysfunction as bad as my Broncos offense still is and are trying to figure it out. They're nothing compared to the dumpster fire that are the New York jets. And I loved Robert Sala when he's being interviewed and he's being asked, like, why do you keep putting Zach Wilson in there? He looks lost. He's not getting better. And Sala couldn't answer. And he was tripping all over himself trying to come up with an answer. And what became obvious was this isn't Robert Sala's decision. Even though it should be a head coach's decision, this is coming from upstairs. And I bet you any money this is coming from Aaron Rodgers. You know, the guy who loves Zach Wilson and doesn't want any real competition. And so instead of going out and getting a decent quarterback – they decide to keep putting this junk out there, and they're making other teams look amazing. They've scored one touchdown in the last four games. Their offense has been one stinking mess. So I love the New York Jets because you always remind me how great it is to be a Bronco fan. And so thank you for that. Love that about New York. 
couple other things. Love the Legos, the big Lego store at the Rockefeller Center. U.S. Open and watching a match till two in the morning. I mean, those are some of the things that I love about New York. And the last thing I want to leave you on about this topic is the Heidi game. And so for some of you who don't know, in 1968, the Jets were playing out in Oakland. They were playing the Raiders. And so, and yes, folks, the Raiders actually used to be in Oakland before Vegas. So they're playing in 1968. They're playing on the West Coast. So it's a four o'clock Eastern game. Close game. Jets are leading. Only about a minute to go, but on the East Coast, the movie Heidi was being promoted heavily by Disney. And so much so that NBC didn't sell commercials during the two-hour Heidi movie. They sold the whole two-hour block to Timex watches. And so Timex had a contract with NBC that the movie had to start on time at 7 o'clock Eastern. And so here you've got everybody on the East Coast watching the Jets leading the Raiders with only a couple minutes to go. And all of a sudden, their TV sets changed to Heidi because, you know, the kids all around the U.S. had to watch Heidi. And so people started freaking out. They started calling NBC. They started calling the newspapers. They're like, what's going on? Where did the game go? Because Heidi's up. And the funny part is, in that last minute, Oakland scored two touchdowns to actually win the game. So here are these fans out on the East Coast who have invested three hours to watch, and they're cheering for the Jets, and the Jets are leading and about to beat the Raiders. And then it goes to Heidi. And then later on, through various sources, because we had no internet, had no social media, they start finding out an hour and a half, two hours later, that the Jets actually lost. They watched 59 minutes of the game, and their team was winning. And in that final minute, the Raiders scored two crazy touchdowns and ended up winning the game. And fans were just finding out later on the Sunday night and into Monday, consoling themselves because they had to watch Heidi instead of what happened in the game. So anyways, that's the famous Heidi game. I love the fact that they paid an homage to it because it's been 55 years to the day. It was November 17th, so that's actually coming up. But 55 years ago, and so now you had the Jets and Raiders playing on Sunday night. And I love the fact that NBC, who has the Sunday night broadcast, paid a little homage and and a little bit of history towards the Heidi game between the Jets and the Raiders. So those are just a few of the things that I love about New York. So now we're going to turn our attention to Week 11. There are three really good games that I think are worth watching. The top one for sure is the Monday Nighter. What a fantastic game this should be. This is the Philadelphia Eagles at Arrowhead against the Kansas City Chiefs. This is a rematch of last year's Super Bowl matchup, which was an incredible game, very close. These are clearly the two best teams, at least by record so far. And to see them go head-to-head, and they're both coming up of bye, so they've had time to rest, they've had time to prepare, we should get their best punches. That's a legit heavyweight match. And so if you get a chance... Carve out time for the Monday Nighter because that should be the best game of the weekend. And it could be the best game of the season. So really excited about that. The second matchup that I would encourage you to consider is Cincinnati and Baltimore. Now, this is coming up real quick. This is the first game of the whole weekend. It's on Thursday night. Now, both these teams are really good. They were very hot until they both lost crazy games on the weekend. So they'll be mad. They're on a short week. And this is a huge division game. And if the Bengals lose this game, this could actually put them out of the playoffs. So this is a massive game with two teams people are figuring are going to go deep in the playoffs. 
So this should be fun, especially on a short week, and they're both mad. Uh, so this should be a very heated contest on Thursday night. This will be a Thursday night game worth watching. And then the third game, to be honest, it's more out of morbid curiosity than anything else. It's the New York Jets at the Buffalo Bills. I mean, both these teams are reeling. Both these teams are struggling. Uh, this was the matchup the first week when Aaron Rodgers played four plays and he was done for the year. And somehow, some way, the Jets still beat the Buffalo Bills, who are completely out of sorts. And then they got it on a roll, and it looked like, okay, these are the real contenders. And then now Buffalo's in trouble. And they lost that crazy game to Denver, and then they fired their offensive coordinator. And who knows if their wide receiver still wants to stay there, Stephon Diggs, because you see these ridiculous reports coming out about he's not happy, and this is not right. And and this is a huge division game. And the Jets are awful, but it's a division game, and the Jets already beat Buffalo. So I think more of like, you know, that – that there's an accident, you just can't take your eyes off of it, and you just want to see what's going on. I think that's my third game. I think that's the game I'll probably watch beginning to end just to see what happens and to see who can crawl out of this thing with still some fight and still some chance to make the playoffs and do some damage later this year. So those are the top three games that I pick for Week 11. You got Philadelphia at the Chiefs, you got the Bengals at the Ravens, and then you got the Jets going to Western New York to visit the Buffalo Bills. And as we close off this week's podcast, don't forget to reach out to us at ttfcoach at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook. Have fun watching these games. We're already halfway through the season. Before you know it, the season's going to be over, so enjoy it. Drink it up. Try to get as much as you can in. And wherever possible, don't forget to throw the flag! Because you know Coach will. Have a wonderful week. Catch you next week.